What started as a casual conversation with our peers in grad school has turned into a passion for talking with creatives in Chicago. You are listening to This Moment Here. This Moment Here is sponsored by The Scene, Chicago's international journal of contemporary and modern art. The Scene features in-depth writing on exhibitions as well as highlight essays, artist profiles, and reviews. To read The Scene, published by Expo Chicago, visit thescenejournal.org or find a free printed publication throughout the city of Chicago. Hi everyone, you're listening to This Moment Here. I'm Sarah Reynolds. And I'm Madeline Finley. And we're currently with Gonzalo Reyes Rodriguez. Welcome to the show. Thanks, thanks for having me. Hi Gonzalo, thanks for hosting us. Yeah, for sure. I like having people over my place. Mm -hmm. So why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your relationship to Chicago, and then like about your practice. Yeah, I grew up in Chicago, which um, to me is really, sorry, interesting because I don't know a lot of other artists who also grew up here. And have stayed here. And have stayed here. I know a lot of, like my best friend, Jessica, lives in New York City. She's also from Chicago. So she's the only friend I have sort of that, like, even though we didn't grow up together, we have like a similar understanding of what it's like to be from Chicago. But usually I move in these like art social circles of people who are like, from California or from like the other parts of the Midwest who moved here to go to SAIC mm-hmm. because I went to SAIC um, and even when I was there in undergrad I was like the lone person <laughs> yes. who like didn't live in the dorms and yeah who, you like had to go home yeah I would like <laughs> take the train home after a research studio like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah that I mean that's like this thing that I carry here but I also feel like because I hang out with so many people who are not from here people assume that I don't I'm not from here either like mm-hmm. they're really surprised when like we pass by somewhere and I was like oh yeah I used to go here after like, yeah as a kid yeah like I used to take drawing classes down the street where the Giordano's is now that used to be an after school like arts program run by the Mexican Fine Arts Museum really yeah so it's like things like that or like that I did Marwin like people are always like I want to work at Marwin I was like I want to hear about you in drawing classes because <laughs> <laughs> your practice has changed since then but you also left Chicago for a bit yeah. We're in Philly and then came back. Yeah, I went to grad school in Philadelphia in 2014. I moved there and then I moved back like the summer I graduated. And that was because I, well, for two things. Like, I sort of like one of the, there's two things that two different people told me at the end of graduate school that I like held on to because they made a lot of sense at the time and they still do. And one of someone, David Hart actually is the one, he, he was my, my advisor my last year. And he had just moved to Philly after being in Chicago for a couple of years and sort of like had blown up after taking 20 years off, off of art. Whoa. And he told me that if I move back to Chicago, that it's totally okay, but just not to become a Chicago artist. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, it was just like, don't get caught up in like the sort of localness of it. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you're going to show work in Chicago, make sure it's when, like, people from the outside are also here to see it as well. And, like, like dur- during a fair? Yeah, like, during Expo or, mm-hmm. like, you know, if you're, I don't know, in the summer, I feel like there's a lot of people from the outside here. Or about even, like, a group show and maybe a lot of the artists aren't Chicago-based. Yeah. Like, don't become, like, a regular staple in the circuit of things that is Chicago. Because it becomes really, like, internal and, like, 
sort of feeds into the weird incestuousness that yeah. exists here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really good advice. So I took that and I moved back here and immediately after you graduated. Like I think two weeks after graduating. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I moved back because I took a job here teaching at Harold Washington College and. That sort of came about because I was, like it was May, I was graduating in like two weeks. And this Stephanie Burke, who is the head of photography at Harold Washington, was the TA in a photo class that I took at undergrad at SAC. Oh, wow. And she's like, I need someone to teach the summer class because I can't do it. Do you want it? Wow. And then I, I was like, yeah, I mean, I have no other. Philadelphia's not going to give me a job. That's like a poor city that like I could not. Like it's it was like it, it takes a lot of you you have to know a lot of people to get a job in Philadelphia and here it was just like someone was offering me something. Well like, you knew someone who got offered your job. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm gonna take it. It's the only thing like coming my way. <laughs> is that your first time teaching? Because I know at uh, some grad schools they offer you to teach a course. Yeah, I taught a class the first semester of my second year at Penn. What class? Intro to photo. Whoa. Intro to black and white. And they were like, You're the first grad student who's wanted to teach that class, like ever, I think. Whoa. I was like what was that experience like? Were there, was there a lot of like learning curve or did you feel really ready to teach the class? I felt ready because I had worked at Marwan as a TA mm. and I had been a TA at Penn, like two classes every semester for the first year. So I knew how that class ran because I TA'd it twice. TA really helped. TA really yeah, helps. It really like puts you in, like if you understand the way each institution teaches that class and what they want from it, TAing mm-hmm. is a really good way of doing that and then learning from the teacher you're teaching for. Yeah. You get to see how they like compose a syllabus and how yeah. they handle certain problems. And, and seeing how like students react to what so you can take it to your class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really good. I had a lot of, um, the way it works for grad students to teach was like you have to apply to do it so not everyone can. And then you get paired up with an undergraduate faculty member that's sort of like your advisor and they sort of, they have to help you work on your syllabus. You can't submit. So you're not like set on your own. No, 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 like... no. They have they they're supposed to help you, like edit and write it, and then you don't submit it to the department until they approve it first, and then they have to do two observations throughout the semester, one at the beginning and then one at the end. Oh, wow. Um. So that was cool. I had this really cool advisor named Jamie Diamond who I had teed for the semester before, and we went on a, like a study trip together to Berlin. So I knew her really well, and I was like really, she was like a really big help in that sense. Mm-hmm. And the Penn art department's really small. Oh, it's tiny. Right. There's only like 12 or 13 people each year. Yeah. And then it's sort of hidden. Well, I mean, when I, it's different now, I think. But when I was there, it was like really under the radar. Mm-hmm. Like no one really knew it existed. Like the even, grad program. Yeah, yeah, even within the university, people were like, oh, I didn't know. But this was even offered. Yeah, because yeah, it's like hidden deep within the architecture school. Mm-hmm. You're like basically a sub-department or it's it the, feels like that? It's weird because it's the, the department is graduate fine arts and it's within the graduate school of design. Oh. So there's no under technically they're in the college of arts and sciences why is it not associated with that because it's part of i mean this is is why no one knows about it it's like weird structure for it it's part of a it's like a grad only program so does that mean that when you're teaching an intro class that it's open to the entire school and so you might not necessarily have all art students yeah there's not i mean there's there's a there's a strong group of art majors at Penn, but it's mostly you're teaching to people who are taking it as an elective so i had a lot of students who were like 
in Wharton or in the, the Perlman School of Medicine or like that's pretty cool what else do you want to learn black and white photo well they just needed an elective a mm. LeBron's elective and that's like a photo class <laughs> and you're like here I am I'm here yeah. so tell us about your first time in Harold Washington teaching that was a trip because it's the opposite it's like a 180 from Penn. and you are on your own yeah and I have no TA and I am I mean I didn't have a TA at Penn either but I was on my own and like the student body is very different so I had like like at Penn I had like all freshmen and like maybe one sophomore who were like new to college but also like they're at Penn so they're like you know, the smartest people in their high school. And used to being, like, in... Yeah. And they're, like... Very rigorous. Yeah, they they want to be, like, number one. They want to achieve. They want yeah, to be, like, and they're, super achievers. They are willing to, like, work really hard for it and, like... Like, they'll we, spend 10 hours on a... <laughs> yeah, and they'll, like, do everything you say to the T because they want that A really bad. Mm. Oh, wow. Um, That's such a power... Oh, it's yeah, because really you have to grade the work. Yeah. Because at SEAC, you yeah, don't get no, grades. There's no pass Yeah, fail. so you were grading. Did you have to, was it hard to develop your criteria for the grading? Well, that's where I had a lot of help from the, uh, like, from TAing and from working with Jamie Diamond because, like, I adapted, like, a grading rubric that's from nice. them. Do you still carry it to now? N- not really, only because, like, I teach at SEAC, too, and that's pass-fail. And then it's a different grading rubric at Harold Washington, that's a little bit like it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I also I also teach at UIC, and that's very different as well. So it's like these really disparate educational environments that I'm working in, and I have to sort of like adopt for each one. Mm-hmm. So like at Harold, all of my students work, like either part time or full time. Yeah, and then school isn't necessarily their like number one priority, or maybe not their art class. Yeah, and like not their art class. So I have to find a way to sort of like hold them accountable to like the class but also like still teach them but also like you know sort of navigate the things they throw at me like I can't come to school today because I have to work or I can't mm-hmm. come to school today because I'm you know one of my I live with my well, they're single all sh- parent they're probably they Chicago set. based like their yeah. family doesn't they don't move away from oh, their no, no, house they're all commuters yeah. for yeah. the most part and some of them are and like it's so different generationally too because some of them are like in 18 and in college for the first time mm-hmm. some of them are like coming back to school after having dropped out after a while some of them mm-hmm. are in their 30s and starting college for the first time after taking not going directly some of them are like retired people who are just taking classes because they have the time and mm-hmm. they're interested so uh, did you see a drastic shift in the oh, content yeah. of the work i mean i didn't know what i was doing when i got there I was like, I you showed up in mid, like right after I was graduation like, yeah i was like i can't teach like i literally moved to chicago on a friday and started teaching that monday wow and i didn't know what i was walking into so i had to like learn fast like how that school was different um as you went yeah and like how it's like students there understand things in a really different way than at Penn which was had been like my only teaching experience like where I'm like the only one in the classroom Mm -hmm. so that that it was like adapting to that and sort of like learning the nuances of like that school too because like (laughs) every school has like weird their own sort of like social rules about how to do things so like I had to like learn how to work with the photo lab there and like how like there's a lot of bureaucracy and a public school that the didn't I've never been in like a public higher education school mm-hmm. so they didn't understand like how bureaucratic things were mm-hmm. like the to get to print a f- one photograph at Harold Washington requires going to two offices oh my God. for a student too for a student that's a lot <laughs> and if you're on time like if you have things to do you yeah. can't be running around 
all the time in China. Yes, I had to like learn that because I was like, oh, it's like not at SAC where you just type in your email and then it like bills you when you pay with your article. Yeah, and it's done. It's there. It's like pen was something similar to that too. And at Herald, you have to go to the business office, pay in cash. They give you a receipt, take that to the art office. They give, they take your receipt and they give you a print card. And then you can print. And then you can print. And then do it again if it doesn't print nice. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. It's like, so it's like learning all of that took that entire semester. Mm-hmm. And then it didn't, it wasn't for like another year where I felt like I really understood the school. And then I started teaching at UIC and I was like learning that again. Learning all so of it. So currently, yeah. how many schools do you teach for? Right now, I just, I just had Harold this semester, but I also te- uh, teach every other semester at SAIC. And that sort of that was also interesting too. Because in I film, gra- right? Yeah, I graduated from SAIC in two thousand nine, and then I started teaching there in twenty nineteen. And it was a very no, yeah, no, no, twenty twenty nineteen. So it's like ten years later, and it's like that school is so different. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I bet. Yeah, but it was like, night. It felt familiar enough. Yeah, all the buildings are the same. Everything just looks different inside of them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except the classrooms. Yeah, the classroom I taught and I had taken a class in and I was like, oh, this is... That's so yeah. bizarre. How is teaching... It's like about your practice a little bit. Like how have... Because if you go from grad school right into teaching, I'm sure your mind space is like... Yeah, You're still trying to make work and then you're adapting to this new school system and then trying to actually teach people the craft. Like how did those two things blend together or how do you keep them separate? I think... I, I mean, I don't know actually if... I'm so confused about it and like at this point because I'm doing a lot of writing around that exactly right now. And like I think about like sort of I had to sort of learn to make art outside of school again after grad school. But at the same time, I was not really out of school because I was still teaching. Yeah. So those things sort of like blended in. So like whenever I taught an intro to the photo class, like I would be reading these things that my students were reading and I would reread them every semester and they would mean something different every semester because yeah. every student read it a different way. Yeah. So that was like, I thought that was pretty cool. And I, I still think it is because it's like, oh, like this, you know, like whatever essay on mechanical reproduction is like, means one thing when I read it and the way I understand it. But like when the students are reading it for the first time now, like the way they respond to it is so different than how I would. Mm-hmm. Because they experience things are so different than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're like younger and I'm like, you're young (laughs) they're they're right in the mags and we're just like on the sidelines critiquing it i know i'm like watching it from like like they're on a social media thing and i'm watching it from like two social media things behind exactly yeah so i'm watching the commentary that's like two degrees away yeah yeah that's so funny Um, do they keep you on your toes sometimes i mean i think they're really surprised by like how informed I am about things like <laughs> I, like I just remember last year I asked you're me, like I'm not 60 yeah <laughs> they asked me if I knew what a stan was or like a finsta and I was like yeah of course <laughs> you're like yeah do you want mine yeah <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's uh, like uh, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Sarah, know what that means Sarah doesn't know the, a lot of the terms that finsta is like a fake Instagram like your yeah. persona and then a stan is like you know the Eminem song, Stan, where he has, like, a stalker? Uh-huh. Well, the kids use it now to be, like, when you're in love with someone or, like, 
Or now the kids say ship too. Like I ship that. Like I'm really because I keep. I'm honey. She's not thirty yet. I'm still in the mix. Okay, like so. Stan is like like if I really like these Oreos, I'd be like, oh, Stan, love them. Really? Oh my god. We we Sarah and I, you know, we teach high schoolers right now, and they their thing is like period. Like that's what they do all day. So they keep us. I just stare at them blankly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not, sometimes I do that too. It's like, kind of like, I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Okay. I'm reading your body language and you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> like, I shouldn't be worried. Yeah. You're not saying anything that. offensive. But you work, like, you work with contemporary topics. So you're online researching all the time. Yeah. And the, yeah, it's like, I mean, I think that's the other thing. It's like, I, the classes I sort of teach right now, I really like because they sort of like, in a really selfish way, also help me as well. Like, <laughs> yeah. outside of that, like. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's resourceful. I think yeah, that's using sure. your time as an artist wisely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's why I think it's like teaching has become like really blended in in a way where it's like, I'm constantly in conversation about the same things over and over again. But they're also like brand new at the same time because of the people I'm like engaging the material with. But then also my job is like, the, the, it's like I can use it as like this lab but I don't because I also like have to remember that like oh yeah like I can't be the only one learning like I also have to teach them yeah mm-hmm. like the painting teacher yeah. on the side who's working on their own painting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like copying all of us yeah. so I mean but I, I do really like that or the sculpture teacher yeah <laughs> Takes your idea. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. But I mean, like painting, you know, those big rooms in undergrad that you all work in together, and there's like a painting instructor who's like kind of drawing and painting on the side, and you're like, hi, can you come over? Yeah. Your work <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. inspiring. So, talk to us a little bit about your work. Like, what's the context? Like, what do you work in film and photography? Yeah, I mean, I mostly work in video and photo, but it's like shit. Like, all of my work is sort of about photography. And the way I sort of, like, uh, understand it as this, like, thing. Well, like, I, I learned in grad school, like, why I went to grad school. I actually ended up not being what I wanted. That's not after. what like, You know what sense. I mean? Like, yeah. like, I went in there trying to be something. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's not, I can't be that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I can never make, you know, like, a beautiful photograph like Paul Sapoya or Laura Lipinski or, like, Melanie Schiff or something. Like, those are people, like, I love and I love that work. And mm-hmm. I like to look at it and can admire it. But, like. That's also, like, yeah, I've tried, like, and that's not what I... It's, like, what I like, but not what I'm really interested in. Or, like, can do. Or Yeah, or, like, can do. Yeah. So, when I went to grad school, I figured that out right away. How, like how soon? Like, the first week. <laughs> really? Yeah. Because I... It, it's, it's this crazy story, like, it's of, of, like, circumstances. But, like, I had been out of school for five years before grad school. And I was doing a lot of, like, um, organizing around, like, specifically with, like, the Chicago Diet March, Mm. where I was, like, this core member for two or three years. And that sort of, like, taught me a lot about, like, I mean, a lot of the things that I work in now have to deal with things I learned in then, Mm -hmm. where it's, like, public spaces, public speech, political speech. Like, those things are really interesting to me, even though, like, that was just, like, a side thing that I was doing. And do you feel like UPenn was the right place for you? Yes. Well, I, I had originally gone there to work with Terry Atkins, mm. who was someone who, like, sort of had been working around those things and, like, these specific histories. And then 
when I got in, or before I found out I got in, like after my interview and before I found out I got in, he died. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I, but I decided to still go when I found out I got in like a week later or something because I had gone there for the open house the year before. And I met with Terry, but I also met with Nancy Davenport, um, who ended up becoming my advisor and like someone who I worked super closely with the two years that I was there. And sort of when I got there, she was like, here's what you need to do. She gave you um, a blueprint? Yeah. So she's like, these people, she like had remembered, had like a copy of my essay that I used to get in. Oh, honey. And was like, these people are at Penn. Mm-hmm. You should take these classes here, here, and here. So she's like, go That's take so August helpful. Silverman's class. Can you imagine? If Especially because they're open curriculum. You guys don't have departments, do you? Or you do? There's, it's one department called Graduate Fine Arts. See, that's insane. Like, you don't even have a path, like... Yeah. yeah, you can take like a physics class. As long as, yeah, as long as you're taking the graduate critique seminar. But I think it's easy like, probably to get lost if like you don't yeah, have like if you don't have painting classes that everyone kind of takes, like a seminar for you guys. Yeah. You can easily, easily go nuts. If yeah. Not, yeah, if yeah, like last semester you're like in this, everyone's like, what we need to check in. Yeah, like, yeah. what are you doing? You're using the proton collector <laughs> yeah. or whatever. You're like, look at it. Yeah, exactly. They're like, why are you here? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's kind of wild. Like they, you could do that. And if you, but I feel like you have to be it's like but that's it's like lskc is the same way there's no when i was there i was like i'm the first after the first year program i know what i was doing i was yeah undergrad i took a fibers course because i thought i was like supposed to try new things and it was needless to say very challenging for your girl (laughs) you just don't know and i felt pressured to and then i was like it's gonna this go is insane. a waste of a semester. Yeah, I took print makeup. I was like, this should take so long. <laughs> and like, you get like one good print. I was like, I just want to draw. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of, when I, because I was younger or when I was like Did 19 you? or something when I was doing that, I sort of just like went with it and sort of like fell into this path. Wait, but we never talked about this. When you entered SAC coming from high school, did you want to do photo? I think or you want so. to go to art school? No, I I just needed to go to college, and like SAIC <laughs> was the only school that gave me all of the money. Oh, and then my backup was like, well, if I don't like it, I can go to UIC and study science or something. Mm-hmm. And then, but I, you wanted to be an artist, or no? Kind of. Like I had taken a lot of after school arts programs, and I was doing like insane things where I was like taking, like my I went to an arts high school, and yeah. I was taking AP sculpture there <laughs> and then i was taking two classes of ap photo through gallery 37's the ASM. Program, the loop. and then after that so i would get out of school early to go do that and then i would do that downtown and then after that i would go to marwin on monday and wednesday and you look on tuesday and thursday wait are you an asm alumni yeah well the is a- that gallery 37 a- a- aap we didn't get paid it was, okay. like a, it was like high school class for us. And we got oh, like... Oh, like you guys did it during the day? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's so and cool. It's good yeah. to hear that those like after school programs are actually like productive and valuable. Because sometimes I wonder like, I feel like I our know. students really enjoy it, but I wonder like what they carry on from the program with them. It's read a lot of... I went to, to those programs with a lot of people who are doing some pretty rad stuff right now, mm-hmm. even though a lot of it is not an art. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, surprisingly, a lot of them are doing, like, public service civic positions where they're, like, 
leading political campaigns. Or oh, like that's awesome. For, like, there's some of them are, like, aldermen or, like, running for aldermen. I mean, now. ASM does have leadership courses, and they do have things that, like, kids yeah. could probably start in that way. Well, I think one of the main things that I see with our students is, like, it's a space for them to feel like they're doing well at something. You know? Yeah. Like, it's not our position as their art leaders or whatever instructors to tell them it's bad or good it's just like a space where they can do what they want and And it's like and the ones who want to be challenged to like further their art they show it and like yeah and it's like a commitment of like having to go there after school every three times a week week. yeah Mm -hmm. um so that was good so yeah i mean i didn't know i wanted to be an artist but then i did when i got there and i was like when I was in CP, I was like, oh, I'm going to learn how core to Core program? Yeah, when I was in core. <laughs> I remember core. And when it was called the first year program. <laughs> yeah, that thing was brutal. Yeah. But I was Walk like, me through this because I didn't. Basically, you this. see everyone, you start with drop like flies, but it's basically core program. It's optional. I met, no. so this is where no. I met Stephanie. I met Stephanie in research you, program. So you you're with a group of kids the whole year, the same research class. How many students are you with? Like 13. Oh, no, right. for core is big, but research is yeah. small. And then core, you're with like 30, 40 kids, and you're divided into groups 2D, 3D, 4D. That's how they did us. Yeah, same. And, and you so, rotate every yeah, three so like weeks or so. Every few weeks, like they divide the year into thirds. And then, so like first, you do 4D, which I was like, did I choose the right school? I got to do a sound piece. To this day, it's traumatizing. <laughs> and then 3D sculpture, 2D drawing, or and they teach yeah. you the skills that you can yeah like, minimal introduction skills it's more like to get you like thinking, thinking about it like like to know your options Whoa. and it was it was really frustrating at first because it was like i thought i had like all this experience from all these after school programs same and then the point of that i think was to sort of like break any assumptions you have about art down mm-hmm. and like build you back up that their way so I mean that that was kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, I, eighty. I feel like SEC undergrad has like eighty percent dropout rate or something. No, they told us that the first day. They're like, look to your right and look to your left. Like those people won't be here. Literally, we really. Yeah. yeah, the undergrad's really hard. I think when I was there, it was like a sixty percent dropout rate. Oh, in the first year. I had that's no why idea. the acceptance rate is so high because the dropout rate is so high. I mean, that kind of makes sense because I feel like when I talk to people, the class in the beginning sounds large. And then when I was like in the sculpture department during grad school, it didn't seem like there were that many students there. Yeah. So I was like, we're all <laughs> kids. <laughs> they dropped out. They dropped out. Or they transferred or something. Yeah. yeah. Too much. I want to hear about... So one thing I find so interesting about your work is like, you take it other... like places so you do residencies you have shows in different cities and like mm-hmm. how do you think that impacts the work like how is working in Skowhegan also having a show in Mexico City I think that's just part of the the non-Chicagoness mm-hmm. of it well I mean I don't know part of me is also like I just don't I think like there's a specific thing that Chicago likes and like I'm not it but that's okay because I just I'm living here because it's like cheap and I it's easier for me to get a job here. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but I'm, I think the conversations that I'm trying to have and the questions that I'm asking in my work are I'm finding affinities in other people who are like share those affinities, I guess, in other places through, through that. So like I, everything sort of really started for me when I was in, I had the show at Roots and Culture during Expo in 2018. Mm-hmm. And I just kept thinking to like what David Hart told me and I was like, okay, like, I'm Don't doing get caught it. Up. I'm Don't having get caught up. I'm having a show. There's people from the outside here. Like this is what he was talking about. <laughs> yeah. So I started like like doing walkthroughs of the show 
with other people from the outside, from like outside of Chicago. And one of those people was um, the editor in chief of this magazine in Mexico City called Teremoto. And he was really into the work. And like, bef- like while I was giving him a walkthrough, he was texting Pablo Leon de la Barra, the curator of the Sao Paulo Museum, to go see it. And then Pablo rolls up with a crew of like, how good did you feel? I was like crazy when I saw the yeah. sign-in sheet from the show. Like after that weekend, I was like, oh shit. Like yeah. three people from the Guggenheim came. One of them emailed me to try to buy one of the videos. Oh no. It was like so, I was like. You were that girl. All of that like work. And like, I think I did like 10 walkthroughs of that show in like three days. Wow. So I was like, okay, good. All of that work sort of like is paying off. Mm-hmm. And then Diego, the editor from Mexico City, like, offered me a solo show at his magazine's project space in Mexico, like, a year Amazing. later. And then I used, I mean, the, that work that I made for Roots and Culture, sort of, like, for that, that I used in that show, I used to apply to get into Skowhegan. Mm-hmm. And then I got in there. And what was your experience like at Skowhegan? Skowhegan, was it productive? <laughs> this boy had the Helen, he had the Helen Franken Dollar Studio. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's, it's cool. I mean... It's weird because I actually don't like residencies. Okay. I kind of applied because I felt really good about the documentation for my show. <laughs> so I was you're like, like, let's see what I get. So yeah, yeah I was like, I'm just going to apply to anything because I want to use this documentation. Skohegan was really interesting because like, I don't like nature. Like a lot. Like I can be outside and I like parks and stuff, but like I'm you're a city not, boy. You like city nature. Yeah, I'm like not trying to camp or like yeah. get bit by ticks. Swamps. Yeah. And yeah. Or like you know, walking. Have money. Ticks are real. Yeah. Ticks are very real. Um but I had done acre before and that was like two weeks and that was like the right amount of time for me. Mm-hmm. Because when it was over, I was like, This was fun. I'm ready to go home. Yeah. And I mm-hmm. can do that today. Mm-hmm. But Skahigan is nine weeks long and that is You were gone all summer. Yeah, I left in June and I came back in September, basically. So we also went to Mexico after. But it's weird because it's this thing you sort of, like, hear about. I didn't really know what it was until I got to graduate school. Yeah. And I remember people in undergrad talking about applying, but I, like, had no clue. Because at the same time in undergrad, I was also just trying to graduate and, like... Well, it was um, such a painter's painter residency for so long. I think only recently. Michelle talked about this a little bit on the podcast. Over the years, it's kind of developed into, like, a little more range. But, Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah. I've always thought about it as a painting. Yeah. Well, Gonzalo, you said it was about half painters. Yeah, I saw about half of the people there were painters. Out of how many artists? Like 60. Mm. Whoa. It's yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, it has such a painting tradition. Like, it's like one of the only places left in the country that will teach you fresco. Gonzalo did a fresco. Yeah. You did? I'm a painter now. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good, too. It's like a self-portrait. It sounds like a perfect residency for you. Uh, if you can, apply next year, see where the coins there. land. If you can, like, live in a small community for nine weeks and, like, really contribute to it and, like, have things to... I feel like that's why it's perfect for painters because, like, all the painters are always in their studio. Yeah. Like, yeah. working into the night. <laughs> yeah. So romantic. Yeah, it was, like, the perfect scenario for that. And, like, I sort of, like struggled a lot of the time because like <laughs> i didn't want to make art all of the time and yeah so didn't want to be an artist all of the time you know mm-hmm. like you had to really i don't know it felt for the first couple of weeks like there was this uh, emphasis on like performing the role of an painters artist. take pride oh, in yeah. being a painter 24 yeah. 7 like it's their identity you know yeah and i was just like oh, i just want to be like a person. a person. Like, do you want to just talk shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you can't. You can't. 
I mean, you could, but it's like, you know, everyone hears it. But people use residencies for network. I mean, people say they use Skowhegan as like a form of grad school in the sense of community building and you meet tons of people from all over. Well, what did you write? So you got in successfully. So obviously your documentation was great. Your work was great. Did you go in specifically with a project that you said you wanted to complete or was it kind of like this no. amount of time? I, had, I mean, I had like a thing to do because I had to edit the video because I had a show in Mexico like right after. Mm, so you had a project. To- so I had to edit that video and I did that like for the for a month and then sort of like that finished. I like, you know, was a process that like finished and then I still had some time there. And I think who was it? Someone, my, a, a really incredible, incredible, incredible artist who was there named Audra West said that the, the the hardest part was getting in and now it's just about doing whatever you want. Love that. Well, I mean, I'm curious to know, like as artists who apply for things, I'm about to submit two applications tomorrow. And like, I've always wondered if there's a higher success rate, if you have like one specific project that mm-hmm. actually has a tangible deadline, like mm-hmm. a show or something like that, that you're more likely to get in if you're like, I'm actually on a deadline and I need this time to complete this work, otherwise I might not finish it. Or if you can write an application successfully that's like, no, I would just like to have this time and I don't necessarily have one specific thing I want to work on, but it will. I think they judge that from the work. Yeah. I mean, Skowhegan's different. There's no writing component to it. Yeah. Just image applies. It's just just images and references. Okay. Or clan tags. I don't even know if it's references. Yeah, it's called. Yeah, I mean, they only if you make it to the final round, that's when they call you references to make sure you're like can live in a small group with other. To people. make sure that there's that's no... what they call the references. Yeah, now? they ask them all questions about like you as a social person and like <gasps> that's needed though. Yeah, it's nine like, weeks. What they know about your like mental health. Today. Yeah. Whoa. Could you handle it? I mean, nine weeks is a long time to live amongst others who like have waited years to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People apply every year for like, is your first time applying? No, I've applied mm-hmm. two other times before. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like that place has like this weird history that can really be from, I'm really sensitive to history like that. Cause I take it very like, Oh, like what am I walking into? And I mean, that's sort of like what my work is about is like these like histories that exist in the present. Right. And like Skahegan is full of that because mm-hmm. you walk in and you're like, oh, this is like the mythical place. Yeah, that's where I want to go. And then you get there and you're like, everything is named after someone, you know. Yeah, you got like, Helen Frankenthaler. Yeah, and it's like, I the first thing we did when, we, when I got there was like, we had to go around the tour of the campus on our own and sort of like look at all the studios and like write down our top five or top three or something because you get your studio based on lottery. Mm. So you might not even get your top It's like total SAC undergrad. <laughs> BFA show lottery and then <laughs> I just remember walking into a lot of them and being like like especially the older looking ones more mature the more like the like the ones that you know were built in the 70s mm-hmm. and are still up and I was just like do you and like on, on the back of the door is like all of the people who've had that studio write their names on it Aww. and I remember walking out of one of them and I was like I don't want the Rodney McMillan studio like mm-hmm. I can never I can't live up to that I can't do that in yeah. this space or or like, uh, yeah. So I feel I was like Francesca Clemente taught there one summer because they used to have visiting professors, right? They still, yeah, they used to visiting faculty. So I was just like, yeah, I don't want that. And I was looking. I remember like being in the fresco barn and like looking at all the frescoes around. I was like, yeah, I cannot <laughs> be here. Or like when you're in the library, you look up and there's like frescoes on the ceiling by like Kara Walker and like. Carrie James Marshall, and you're just like, yeah, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. I don't want to be like. 
I was like, I'm gonna go to the computer lab. <laughs> um, but I got I got really lucky because there was one studio that was like a separate lottery because it had just been built, mm. and they had all this. They had it was built by the with money given to them by the Helen Frankenthaler Foundation. Love. So I there was three studios, brand new. I was the very first one in my studio, so I was Whoa. like sick. No, no burden of history. Yeah, oh my summer. god, burden of history and art is so yeah. real. Yeah. So real, so real. So it's that good that like, you like you knew right away, and you didn't yeah. have this weight on you the whole time you were there. Yeah, you can't escape it. You can't. It's like crazy, and then that place is like steeped in its own history too. Like every summer, they we you, you make it, it transforms. That's like what the director said. Like this place is so magical because every summer it's a different place because it's like what the people make of it. But like when you walk into the snack room, um, it's like there's a board that from every year with everyone's signatures on it and you're just like trying to eat a pear but like Mm -hmm. everywhere you look there's like all these names that's crazy and you're like (laughs) (laughs) you're like just just let me be I was like I don't want to feel bad about like not doing anything today (laughs) (laughs) like I just want to go swimming like that's the only thing I want to do was the food good? no no it was not I told during the week our lunches were catered by um this woman named Rosa who was like amazing healthy food that mm-hmm. was really great mm-hmm. but the dining hall food like on the weekends or no or they were only there Monday through Friday mm-hmm. breakfast and dinner and brunch and on the weekends was like the breakfast was fine because it's hard to mess that up but like mm-hmm. dinner yeah. <laughs> there was a lot of times where I was like do you want to tell us if about your show? Off campus. <laughs> but there's no off campus, is there? There is. You can go to the grocery store and the How town. far? Is there like a shuttle or you walk? No, you have to have a car. There's no shuttle. There's a, there's a shuttle van in the morning. Mm. It picks up at 9.30 and you come back at like 11. Mm. But it takes you to the laundromat, the Walmart, and the grocery store. And if you like get off at one, you have to wait until it circles back. I remember during Oxbow, Sarah and I did our laundry one day. It was like getting kind of rough. And we're like, this is do our laundry. And it was like, why do I feel like we're so far from the world? Just from going in the laundromat, you're like, we, like I can't. It's too enclosed for yeah. me. Oh, yeah. Remember that man that approached us? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He, like, yeah. wanted to talk about, like, politics or, like, guns or something. Like, and he wanted to talk about, like, gay rights. Oh, yeah. We were like, read the room. Yeah, read, <laughs> read the, the room. room. Yeah. <laughs> Not appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> Um, tell us a little bit about your show in Mexico City. Yeah, that, that was really cool because I had that like right after, so I had to like didn't have time to sort of have like Stockholm syndrome from Scott Hagen because I was like, okay, I have to go, I have to go from like this, you know, camp <laughs> in Maine to I was in New York for two days in between. That was insane. Because that was, like, everyone from Mr. Keegan was also in New York, so we yeah. all just hung out together for two days. And yeah. then I was like, okay, like, I really can't see you people anymore. Like, oh. <laughs> and then I was in Mexico City, which is, like, a, a different kind of chaos, getting ready for a show and sort of trying to do a lot of things while I was there, but also, like, relax. Like, I think the first two days that I was there, I just, like, slept. You probably needed to. Yeah. And be alone. Yeah. And then I started getting ready for the show, and, like, things started coming together, and um, it was really cool to do a show that I had never shown work in Mexico City before and um that's like where I'm from so it was really interesting to have that aspect to it but also like the um, 
the venue was really interesting because it was like a project space, mm-hmm. not like a commercial gallery. So you had museum. like a lot of, did they give you a lot of leeway to kind of? Yeah, they were, re- they were really interested in like the work without the pressures of like selling it or marketing it or whatever. Like they were re- like, like, uh, and because they were like um, tied to this publication, like they had like, we got to do some programming and then they did their own programming, which I thought was really cool. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, like I'm going to organize this screening. And then, like, off-site at the Cine Club. And then I did that. And then they were like, okay, we're going to bring in this, like, archivist and, like, this professor from the University in Mexico City um, to go do a talk about your work. That's so awesome. And then they did that. And I was like, yeah, you have these two really intelligent people saying all these great things. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd have to do that. Because they were really concerned with, like, the production of knowledge and, like, sort of art in that way, which is what I'm interested in as an artist. And that was really cool to have like that kind of support mm-hmm. and then we've got a really cool publication out of it like a really beautiful risograph so yeah that, that was a really amazing experience so what other ways have you taken the advice that you got about like staying relevant outside of chicago like, well you said you said there was two pieces of advice one was to not care so much about the localness of Chicago mm-hmm. and look also, but there was another piece that you never said what it was. Oh, that was to find people with like shared affinities. And mm-hmm. like Carlos Basualdo, the curator of, the, of Contemporary at the PMA told me that. He's like, you need to find people, because he was sort of like, not anti-pen, but like very like, you make work like this. No one else is doing that. And here you need to go find people who are interested in similar things that you're interested in. And sort of like work that like together in that mm-hmm. way, build like that yeah, build that community. Um, so I feel like I've been able to do that, not here, but like through connections abroad, mm-hmm. like through Teramoto here, through people I've met from other group shows I've been in that live in like Europe or New York. Like I also studied abroad in Spain, so I keep in contact with a lot yeah. Of people mm-hmm. And I did a residency there in between grad school at the Reina Sofia Museum that like introduced me to a lot of people who like are not necessarily artists but they like work in media or like curatorial things Mm -hmm. that are interested in those things so like that network is like i have it now even though it's like i don't have it like close locally locally yeah Mm -hmm. well i'm just hoping that you could like share some advice because i feel like a lot of chicago artists get like down about being an artist in Chicago because they can't make things happen in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like ways to find productivity or like connections outside of Chicago without putting any pressure on Chicago like spaces. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, I don't know. One thing I do like is there's sort of like a resilience here mm-hmm. where like you can have someone was asking me, they're like, what are the cool spaces in Chicago? And I was like, well, I'm really into like Prairie mm-hmm. and like Mark LeBlanc space. Mm-hmm. Um, and LePonk mm-hmm. and it's sort of just because like yeah they're like not commercial galleries per se but they're like they definitely have like a thing that they're trying to do and they're doing it and yeah. like I, I like that sort of like resilience of like being able to exist even though like it's not an environment where you like would but like things are, are possible here but I think I don't know I honestly think it's about like knowing the ins and outs of your work and like consistently asking yourself questions and like there are things that like I think it is those things it's like not a pressure of showing here per se and Mm -hmm. like trying to make things happen on your own 
especially like on the out the exterior, but mm-hmm. also like finding people who are like interested in the things that you're interested in, or or like trying to do what you're trying to do. Because I think about like my friends here, and it's like yeah, like uh, a lot of my friends here are like also making things happen, even though like our work is nothing alike, and we're interested in very different things. There's still like a sort of dedication mm-hmm. to the practice that I'm really. I, I really respect and admire and like I, I hold myself accountable for that too. I just feel like people always say, I'm sure we've heard this on the podcast before, like if you move somewhere else, like LA, New York, whatever, and you have some success there and then come back, it'll be like pop in here. <laughs> I don't think so. You don't think so? I feel like I know a lot of people who've come here with like <laughs> Who've done like incredible things in New York, mm-hmm. and they move here, and like people don't care about that. Yeah, why is that? I don't know, but it's like we. I'm like you're missing up on like a crazy opportunity. Yeah, like a great person. artist who. Yeah, I had a friend who was here on a curatorial fellowship for two years, and she like is amazing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. has done some amazing stuff in New York and in Philadelphia. And it's Chicago like, was like you're not. And Chicago was like who? <laughs> like what? I was like, what? Huh. This person has done stuff at like. The, like their name has it's just because they say. don't know their name but like the things they've done like command like respect it's like they've yeah. done like you know they've done solo things with like Pope Bell and like Mar- like Marion Hessinger and like names that carry a lot of yeah. weight in the yeah. art right now like that's insane and I'm not actually I'm not that surprised by that so it's really weird in that way but I don't know I think because I mean it's weird too like I'm being from Chicago I think about it as like this is definitely a place that like wants to be its own thing and like counter to what's everywhere else. But it's like, mm-hmm. you don't have to reject what's the other just yeah. because you want to be so different from it. Like you can yeah. also like accept it. Embrace and, like, it embrace and still it. be Chicago yeah. art scene. Yeah. It's like this like weird, I don't know, this weird kid that's been like bullied. In the <laughs> I don't know. I know. Resist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. Like, I don't know. But yeah, that, that's, that to me is weird. Yeah, it's definitely something that we talk about a lot on the podcast and we're trying to resolve for ourselves, for even our own practices. I just want to place, like, it's like but it's, I have a positive perspective on it, but then I hear things and I'm like... But it's just so crazy the number of artists that live here yeah. and are doing really well on the outside, but they just, like, live in Chicago. Like, being Rid Olsen lives in Evanston and, like, is amazing. Like, a market darling, like, has, you know, is collected by the MCA, like... But no one knows that she lives here. Mm-hmm. Like, Pope Bell lives here. Yeah. Like, people forget that all the time. I was a babysitter. Yeah, it's like... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, or even, like, Jessica Stockholder lives in Chicago. It's like... Yeah. You, you're really surprised, like, who actually, like, holds, like, what's what you like, live here, but they're doing all these things on the outside, like, mm-hmm. that are, you know... Maybe put them on this superstar platform, but they're also still, like, doing really well. Mm-hmm. They're not, like, caught up. Do most of them teach... I don't think B and Riddleson does, but I know Pope Bell and Stock. They're all Are you Chicago? Chicago, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's some, that's, I mean, it's all something to think about. I'm just trying to get, like, perspective on it the longer I'm here. Mm-hmm. But what's next? Uh, I'm in that group show in Kansas City at the Charlotte Street Foundation in the fall. Details to be announced? Yeah, Jameson Page is putting that together. Jameson uh, gets a shout out like every episode, like every five episodes of Momentum. They're, <laughs> they're in something that Jameson curated or like wrote for or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. Chicago Superstar. I'm doing the residencies <laughs> at Mass Mocha this summer. You decided you are? I think I'm going to do it. Oh, that's so amazing. And then um, we'll see. Hopefully, I actually hopefully won't be here very much longer in Chicago, but I'm also okay if I am. 
Yeah. What's teaching the goal jobs? there? Oh, yeah. Not about teaching elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Take his talents elsewhere. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Can you share where elsewhere might be? Or? Not yet. Okay. Not yet. TBD. TBD. TBA. TBA. Yeah. That's exciting. Mm-hmm. What would be your dream class to teach? Yeah, and like where? Good cue. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I really like teaching intro classes, but I also like teaching pretty like uh, senior graduate seminars. Mm-hmm. I taught a class I got to, I wrote myself at UIC last year called Ex- Expanded Documentary. That was really great. Yeah, didn't you give your students this crazy assignment where I was like, Gonzalo? Where like they had to create a show and like write the press release. Oh, that was curate for the, it. That was for my contemporary art seminar class mm. at UIC. That was like they had to curate themselves into a show with like like a fictional show mm-hmm. and sort of write a press release and a statement and make a book like a catalog. Um, that's cool. That's sort of like how you find yourself within contemporary art. Yeah. Um, no, but the, the documentary class is cool because it was like really. That was a class I was like, oh, this is sort of my approach to making work, and like I'm gonna teach it in this class and like think about the ideas I'm thinking about alongside students who are interested in those things or like want to get to know more about them. Mm-hmm. So it's like a documentary way of thinking through contemporary art. So using all these documentary strategies to make art and how it, it expanded beyond photography into video, into performance, into like writing, into like, ex, like essayistic installation. Um, so that was, that was really cool. I would teach that again. I would actually like to teach it. I would teach it at UIC again. I would, um, but I think it needs to be in a program that's like not department based and like really like open. Um, just so it's not only film video people. Mm-hmm. So the conversation can open up. Mm-hmm. Regionally, where would it, where would this dream class take place? Warm, cold. <laughs> I, I think I could teach it anywhere. Yeah. I also kind of want to teach in Mexico City. That would be so amazing. That would be really cool. But, yeah, I don't know. Sounds like it's going to happen. You seem like you're a great teacher. <laughs> oh, oh, well, is there anything you want to mention before we wrap up? I don't think so. You think you covered all your bases? Yeah. Well, we'll be... I mean, we didn't really talk about my work, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, where can they find it? And I have a website. It's just GonzaloReyes.info. Okay. And then we'll announce... Maybe we'll talk about the Jameson show when it gets closer, because it's next fall. It's in September. Yeah. Think, yeah. Yeah, we'll make sure to share details. Maybe we can do like a Skype interview with him. Can you imagine? <laughs> Maybe both of you. <laughs> okay, right. well, thank you, Gonzalo. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share, subscribe, and review on iTunes and SoundCloud. And follow us on Instagram at This Moment Here. Thank you for listening.